Welcome to the New England Football Show. I'm John Serenitas, and as always, I'm joined by Kevin Stone, and we have a special guest this week. Wide receiver Brian Espinen from UNH, formerly of Millis Hopedale High School, or Millis High School slash Hopedale. Brian, thanks for taking some time to join us tonight. I know you're a busy man with you guys uh, getting ready for your season opener this weekend, but uh, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, no problem, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Excited to, uh, excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you. And obviously, as I mentioned, you guys do open this weekend. The CAA season has already kicked off. James Madison has played a couple of games. But um, UNH, Maine, and URI are going to be kicking off this weekend. And, of course, Brian, I want to focus on UNH to start. Obviously, you guys are coming off a 6-5 and five campaign. Uh, and what was a, a tumultuous year for you guys? Obviously, you were playing without Coach McDonald in 2019. Uh, Ricky Santos, uh, uh a uh, gentleman who is a, a high school football legend in Massachusetts out of Bellingham High School, uh, was the interim head coach in 2019, and, and he guided you guys to a 6-5 and five season. Coach Mack is back now. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about what has it been What has it been like for you guys? You didn't play over the fall. Uh, obviously, you had winter workouts. Now you, you had camp, if you will. And you're going to be playing a spring season. What has that been like for you guys? It's been great. You know, we've, we've been gnawing at the bit to get back playing. I know me because I'm, like, football crazy. Like I, like, I hate, you know, when we're not playing. And I know a bunch of other guys in that locker room, too. Like, they hate when we're not playing. So we're gnawing at the bit. You know, we don't have an indoor facility. You know, we don't have all these, like, nice things. Bells and whistles. Yeah, yeah, bell, bells and whistles. You know, we just got a bunch of mentally tough guys that, you know, don't mind going out in the cold. You know, I see a lot of a lot of stuff on Twitter of other teams and, you know, indoor facilities. You know, they're, they're going sleeveless and stuff. And now we're, we're, we're bundled up. You know, it's going to feel like like a regular day for us come game day. So I think we got a, we got a mentally tough group and, and guys that are guys that are not at the bit to, to get out there playing again. And, you know, we got some guys that, you know, maybe some other teams don't know about, you know, everyone's always got their, their secret guys, but, you know, I think we've got a lot of those guys this year. And I think, you know, we got some guys on offense coming back and this team's excited. I know the coach was excited. I know the probably the whole state of New Hampshire is excited to get Mac back. And I know I am, you know, and uh, no one's, no one's more excited to him than to, to get back. And, you know, this, this team's excited. I said it last year during the press, you know, this team's excited, but you know, we're, we're reloading this team's, this team's got some, some stuff in their bag. Espo, you played for a couple head coaches that, you know, talk about mentally tough. That's all they talked about um, with the Olsen twins. So um, how much did that kind of prepare you for what UNH ultimately is as a program? I think Millis is kind of the Division Eight version of UNH. <laughs> like, I don't know what division they are now, but, yeah. you know, the small school version of UNH. It's just a bunch of, you know, kind of overlooked guys, like small town guys and a bunch of gritty gritty football players that you know love the game and I think that's why it's, it has what hasn't been like a smooth transition for me coming to UNH because you know I had to had to earn my stripes and I still feel like I'm doing that you know I'm never I'm never one to think that I got anything or that I've earned anything you know I'm, I'm still grinding every day like I was my my first day on campus and I think you know Millis was the same way I was I was trying to you know I was kind of like highly like people knew who I was just like John Baker. And I kind of wanted to live up to that. Like I'm not nearly in the same class as John Baker. He's one of the best football players I've ever played with in my life. But, you know, I always felt like I had to live up to that and, you know, earn, earn everything I had. It's just like, just like that at UNH. So I think, 
the two are very compatible, especially because, you know, we got Rick Santos, who is a small town kid. And he's the one, you know, he's going to be calling the shots here in a couple of years. And he's, he's just like me, you know, he's from, he's from eight minutes from my house back home. So we, we both have that small town mentality. You know, we always think we're the underdogs. I felt like that during high school, I was bigger and taller than a lot of kids I faced, but I always say I'm a tall guy with short man syndrome. Like I'm, you know, I always feel like I'm the underdog and it's been like that since high school. It's like that now. So, you know, I think there's a lot of similarities between the two and I definitely, definitely in the right place for sure, Kev. You know, Brian, you talked about your excitement level and, and that you're chomping at the bit and getting back into it. Obviously you guys have a talented skill group coming back, a, a young skill group. You've got yourself, uh, Max Brosmer, obviously Carlos Washington. You guys are primed to score a lot of points and in a league like the CAA, which is an offensive league, that's important. But but talk a little bit about your your mindset going into the season. Obviously, you guys know you're good. You know you're talented. You know you've got your rivalry games in New England. But what, what are your goals? What are your expectations as a program this season in this shortened season, which is uniquely different from any other season you ever played in? I think it's find our identity. You know, we haven't played in a long time. We want to find it. We, we, we know what we can be. We, we have a good idea. We have a good sense. But, you know, the last time we played was November 18th, 2019. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen. But we have a good idea, and we, we think that our formula is going to turn into a lot of wins. And, you know, some of the guys you mentioned, they're such key players in our offense. But we have so many other guys that I, I think this is, in terms of the skill players, I think this is, without giving anything away, this is the deepest team, you know, I've ever been on like in any sport, I think we have so many guys that can do so much different stuff. And it starts with Brosmer. You know, we, we go as he, as, as he goes and he is the way he's moving in the pocket, the way he's the, some of the throw, the arm angles he's making, he doesn't even look like the same kid. And I think teams, teams buying into him, you know, it's, I think they're bought into him in 2019, but you know, he, he was an 18 year old kid. And I think he's definitely got more respect of, of, you know, the older guys on my team, like myself, you know, especially the defensive guys, because um, we were so defensive-led in 2019. You know, I th there wasn't frustration on the defensive side of the ball, but our defense was so stacked and our offense was so young that, you know, I, I felt bad for some, like, for our defense. You know, we went to Delaware and, like, you know, we, we should have easily beat them. Not, not easily, but, you know, we – shouldn't have turned out the way we did and our defense played so well all year long that, you know, we feel like it's our turn to kind of carry some of the weight. And I know that, that that's how I feel. I know how that's how Brosmer feels. I know, you know, Los, Coin, Lobby, all those other guys, you know, we feel like it's our turn to kind of carry some of the weight. And I, and I hope a defensive player from another team hears us because, you know, like we're coming at them, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to sit back and be passive anymore. You know, I think it's our turn, you know, come at people. And I think we're, we're going to come out of our, out of our shell for sure. As Brian, you mentioned 2019. How, how challenging was 2019 a season for you guys? Um, knowing that coach McDonald obviously was dealing with some health issues at the start of the season. How challenging was it to deal with that, but then also to be playing under an interim coach? Or did it not matter to you guys because you knew Coach Santos, you knew the staff? Yeah, Mac, Mac was still all he, – he was around the team. He wasn't, you know, screaming and yelling like he is every day at practice. But, you know, he, he was still around. You know, he would we, – we got off the bus at Stony Brook after our biggest one of the year at 3 a.m. off the bus. And he told us – he. he 
he told us he was like, you know, when you guys go down, when you go down there, kick their ass after at 3 a.m. When you get back off the bus, you know, I'm gonna be here waiting for you guys. And sure enough, we got back at 3:30 a.m. and and there he was. He was always around the team, you know. He was texting me constantly. He's texting some of the guys. He was always around the team, so it was obviously different not having him every day in practice and stuff and filming stuff. But you know, I think we had such a mentally tough team, like I said before, that you know. Like, we were going to go out and play no matter what. And we just happened to have the best player to ever come to UNH. One of my close, one of the closest people in my life, Santos, who was, you know, kind of the heir to the throne and took over. And he did such a good job because we had an 18-year-old quarterback who, you know, did did a good job in what he was asked to do. But, you know, Rick had to, you know, look after the defense because he was the head coach. He had to coach the quarterbacks. He had to look over the offense. There was so much thrown on his plate. And the way that he handled that – was you know credit to him and I got to credit the you know all the other coaches too Mike Frizoka my receivers coach stepped up in a big way Alex Miller who was the old lineman coach at the time all defensive coaches they stepped up and did such a good job with a really young team and you know we probably shouldn't have went six and five there's there's three games we lost Holy Cross Delaware and um uh Albany that we probably should have won they're one possession games but you know the fact that we were in, even in those games you know people were counting us out the whole year and I think people are going to be counting us out again this year. And we're, like I said, we're not at the bit for that. You know, we're, we're, we're coming at you. That's when you talk about, you know, camaraderie and the coaching staff, particularly last year, um, there's two Waltham guys. I'm not sure if they're still there, uh, but Keith Levan and Chris Ward, are they still coaching UNH? Who was the second one you said? Chris Ward. Is he still there? No, no, uh, no. Keith is here. My my sophomore. He's he's a dude. I I, I like Keith a lot. He's a he's a good guy. Um, so, he's, at, he's he's at Bentley, and I I don't, I don't think I know the other one. Okay, so uh, along those lines, obviously communication with coaches and even teammates this year has been different. Um, how well do you think you guys kind of kept up the camaraderie, and um, did it show when you guys hit the field? You know, last week or two weeks ago, did it feel like you guys had missed a beat? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, it takes every team a, a couple practices to kind of get the full swing of things because you come out and, you you know, you're not in pads for a couple days. And then once you finally you're in pads and you kind of hit your stride, I thought that we looked honestly better than I, I – it was better than I thought we were going to look. You know, we came out flying. One of my, well, one of our safeties, Pop Bush, number 23, you got you got to watch out for him. He's going to be a beast this year. Um, you know, you don't run flat routes when Pop's on the field because he's going he's gonna to take your head off. And you could tell guys when we're running routes, you know, he was out there, guys were a little timid going across the middle. Um, but, you know, I, I think we came out and hit our stride pretty early, and it was it was fun to watch and fun to be a part of. Um, yeah, just overall, I think we've been, we've been practicing. We've been at camp for like almost a month, three weeks, and I think we're – usually you hit your stride late after yeah. the season. It's, it's easy for me to say now because we've been – we haven't played a game. We've been practicing well, but I think – we, we've been practicing at a high level more so than I've, than I've been here. And I've been here, been here a long time and I got a couple years left and, you know, I think we're hitting a good, good stride before as, as good of a stride you can hit before week one. So just say quick, we haven't played a game yet, but we'll, we'll see. So how hard was it though, just to kind of keep making sure, you know, everyone was still locked in during those, whatever, five, six, seven months of, of uncertainty. Well, we would have Zoom meetings all the time, like it, to the point where it was kind of just like, damn, like we got another Zoom meeting. Like it, it was, it was so many meetings, and but pretty much every meeting came back to was, don't be the guy that comes back out of shape. Don't be the. I remember we we go into these breakout rooms and we come back. I remember one time I spoke and I said, don't be the bum that comes out comes back out of shape. 
because imagine having all that time to not to not better yourself and you come back and you're you know you're sucking wind after after three plays and some people may have taken it to heart some people you know may not have but I know I definitely wasn't one of those guys you know I wanted to come back and show that I could be the number one guy I could be a leading target for this team so I think just the time off I'm I'm kind of like I like like I was driving for the Amazon truck all, all winter break, and I was just sitting there by myself, just you know thinking of routes and stuff. And I always say that I'm I'm kind of a dangerous guy when I when I have some alone time, just kind of think of think of um, routes to different releases on um, for DBs and just kind of how to fool people with my feet. And I had a lot of a lot of time to you know think about how I can improve my game. And I know a lot of guys on the team are just like me. You know, we all got that you know that savvy that want. And I think that they all did the same thing, and I think it's going to show. I hope. Brian, you guys obviously open Friday night at home against Albany. You're playing a six-game schedule. As I mentioned earlier, this is a uniquely different season. But when you look at your schedule, obviously you've got Albany at home. You've got three other home games. And then, of course, you finish the season at Maine in your rivalry game against the Black Bears. But when you look at the CAA as a whole, what are your overall thoughts on the conference in this shortened season? Who who do you think, taking you guys out of the equation, who do you think are a couple of other teams, in your opinion, to keep an eye on potentially in this spring season? I think Albany. I think Albany's one of them. Um, Delaware's got some guys coming back. They got good secondary coming back, some guys on offense. JMU's JMU. They had a tough first half against uh, against a team last week that I was watching. But it's, it's such a weird division because anybody can beat anybody. But I think Albany's going to be a good one. Um, a couple other teams that I don't really want to say, but they know who they are. Um, I don't know if you watch this or not, but um, it's such a it's such a weird conference. Last year we beat Stony Brook, and we're coming back from the bus ride there. We heard that Elon beat Delaware. We beat Elon. We go down to Delaware. We lose by a possession. It's such a weird conference. And that's what makes it so fun to play. And like you don't like we don't know what we're gonna get. We 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 try and win every game, but we expect to win every game, but Anybody can be at anyone, and it's, it's 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 just a weird conference, especially in the winter now. Like, you know, I, I don't know what the hell is going to happen with with who's going to beat who, and I, I I hope we beat everybody. But you know, it's it's a weird conference, and it's it's got to be the most competitive conference in the FCS and all in all the country. I think. Yeah, I would agree. I think top to bottom, it is, it, yeah. especially because. You've got a lot of these regional rivalries, you know, your rivalry with UNA, uh, URI rather in Maine, and obviously Albany, who's relatively new in the in the uh, conference. They're, they're a program, as you mentioned, that's on the rise. Now, I think when you when, when you talk about this spring season, right, like obviously we're playing a fall two season in high school football here in Massachusetts, and it has a weird feel to it. Like part of you feels like, okay, it's football. You're out here. You're with your team, you're with your fellow coaches, you're with your players, you're grinding. You're doing what you would do from September to November. But talk to me about how it feels, because for me, we've only been out there a week, and there is this weird feeling about it. And it's not just the weather and the time of the year. It just doesn't feel right. Do you feel that same way, or you know what? It doesn't matter. It's football. We're out there. I'm out there with my boys. Pads are on. We're grinding, we're working hard, and we're getting ready for a season. Doesn't matter that it's February going into March. I mean, it's weird seeing snow on the ground during camp because usually it's 90. Yeah, it really is, man. It is so weird. I'm drenched in sweat. I might as well jump in a freaking kiddie pool. But, <laughs> but 
you know, when, when it comes to the preparation, like we're, we're in the meetings, like we're so busy that you don't really have time to think about, you know, you know, whether there's going to be fans in the stands. Of course, we'd love to have a homecoming. You know, we, we love when, when all the students are going out tailgating and stuff like that. But when it comes to the preparation and the film study and our game plan, it's the same exact thing as it is in the fall. You know, we just we just switched up fall and fall and spring. We had pretty much like a spring ball in the fall, and now we're having the season. So that's done. a great point, by the way, Brian, because I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think when I've talked to people about it, they've said the same thing. You know, it's weird, but I'm like, but if you really think about it, the collegiate level, all you're doing is just flipping it, basically. Yeah, yeah. But it's when it comes to the preparation, other than the Zoom meetings, because usually we have the the meetings in um at the field house. Other than that, it's it's the same preparation. You know, it's it's the same stuff since I've been here. Other than we have to stand six feet apart at practice, which is kind of weird because it feels like I have a restraining order of six six feet with a hundred of my closest people. But <laughs> but no, no, it, it doesn't feel different, and that's that's why it's so exciting because you know we haven't played football November eighteenth, twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, so we're all you know we're all ready. Real quick, Brian, how are you guys adjusting to the protocols? Have you found it to be challenging or it is what it is and you're making it work? I mean, it's not like the pandemic hit last week. So we kind of knew that we're going to be going to be headed into the situation. You know, we're, we're just happy that we're even here at all. Um, so anything we got to do, we're going to do, unfortunately. But, you know, it's it's everything's kind of on a schedule. Like like it's, it's, it's a little bit different when you got to go get treatment. You can't just kind of waltz in and, you know get something taken care of. You got to got to go on an app. You got to do all this stuff that usually you wouldn't have to do. But I mean, anything we're going to do to play on Friday or Saturday, we're going to do. So as long as everyone's healthy on, on Friday and you know, no one's sick and everyone's, everyone's wearing dark blue or white, you know, it doesn't matter to me. That's my last one for me. Um, just going back to high school for a minute. And obviously those kids, you know, they've waited a long time to play this, this strange fall two season. I'm just curious if you're still in touch with, you know, coach Olson or um, either one of them or uh, any of the high school kids and uh, just kind of your thoughts on how everything went down, you know, this year and, and how do you think you would have handled, you know, not having your senior season or having it, you know, now in March. Yeah. They, they told me to shout them out too. So shout out uh, Dan and Dale. <laughs> Right. right before telling to shout them out. So shout out to those two guys. Um, no, I'm definitely still in touch with those guys all the time. Um, they're a big part about where I'm at. Um, so yeah, no, they just for, for, first off, you know, they've they they know this. They they've done so much for me, and you know, were so supportive of me and helped me get to where I am at UNH because I was committed to Maine originally, and then they kind of pulled some strings and you know, did what was best for me and my family. But I I would have, I mean. If I was a senior, I probably would have, you know, tried to just handle it. But looking back, oh my god, I, I don't know how I would have handled that because I don't know. I, I the the kids doing it now seem like they're doing a good job, and you know, just taking it one day at a time. Oh, I would, I would get so pissed. <laughs> I'm, it's 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 tough for me now still, but yeah, I, I don't know how well I would have handled it. Would have had to though, but yeah, yeah, I I, I wouldn't have been happy. I'll, I'll I'll be straight up, I wouldn't have been happy. <clears throat> Brian, you know, we've talked about your high school experience at Millis High School and playing for uh, Coach Jolson, but what advice would you give young people that that aspire to be a Division One athlete? What did you have to do during your high school career, physical tools aside, but what did you have to do during your high school career to position yourself 
to get an opportunity to play in a Division One program like UNH? I've done some you know podcasts with Tommy Castle and, and a couple others, and I've never really come out and said because I've always kind of like work work hard in silence. You know, I was always lifting. You know, during lunch, I was always obsessed with with getting getting that scholarship. Like like to a point where sometimes it didn't even seem like I enjoyed it. I was just so wrapped in wrapped in the obsession of you know being that guy that could make it out of a small town and be a be a Division One college athlete. You know, I was I was obsessed with the grind, and I think it also helped that you know you see a bunch of guys specializing in sports. I could have never done that because I, I have done it for so many years here. I've spe- I've been specializing in, in sports since I was 19 years old, and I you know. I'm so glad that I got to play baseball for the Legion, basketball in Hopedale, um, on baseball for all those years. So I, I'd say for me personally, you know, don't don't specialize. You know, enjoy the teammates that you don't get to play with all the time. Some of my best friends from Millis I only got to play with in football, and then I played with different kids in baseball and basketball. So, you know, just, just enjoy it. There's no point of, you know, taking it that seriously kind of like I did. If I go back, I wish I didn't take it as seriously because I thought I think – I had definitely had the talent, so I didn't need to treat it as serious. So just, you know, enjoy and have fun. Enjoy the, the guys that you grew up with. Enjoy the guys that you play with, your coaches. Um, yeah, just have fun. It's sports. It's not it's not a nine to five. It's supposed to be fun. No, and you and you bring up a great point. You were a Hopedale High kid who played football at Miller. So that that's a unique situation because it's not like you were actually playing at your school. You guys had a co-op, but you were traveling to play football there, which speaks to your love for the game and wanting to play football. That was a pretty unique situation. That was the best part of the day. It was like it was me and like four of my best friends. And we would just hop in the hop in my Prius every day and we'd go, we'd go play football for a couple hours and drive home. Oh no, that was that was the best part of the day. <laughs> but, yeah, no, and, and, and I think no, I was, was going to say, I mean, I think that, that that speaks to it speaks to your commitment level, though. And I think that that's what's so important about the uniqueness of that situation. I mean, you won a Super Bowl your senior year. They went back to back. But I don't think people realize how difficult that situation was in many ways, because it's not like you were neighboring communities. I mean, you, you know, you were 20, 25 minute ride away. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't the only one to do it. So, I mean. I mean, you just drive 20 minutes, usually sleep half the time anyways. So it's not like commitment level is that high. I mean, like the guys before me did it, like it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, we, we, we like doing it. We like the, we like the Millis kids. You know, we're still friends with those guys. Um, no, don't don't act like my commitment level was higher than anybody else's because, you know, half the time I was asleep and riding in the middle of the back seat. So, you know. Hey, listen, man, I'm not interviewing them. I'm interviewing you. Uh, I, I've got to – hey, listen, you already make yourself look good. i got to make you look even better. <laughs> No, it was just no. We had a fun time doing it, and just we never even thought about it like that. It was kind of just like, yeah. you know, like the, the Millis guys got to warm up like half hour earlier than we did, so we get we figured we got to rest our legs for another half hour. Yeah, so, and, and you know, and it's amazing, and I think it's a testament, obviously, to Coach Olson, his brother, and the rest of the staff, but it's also a testament to you guys. And you'll have that bond forever. It doesn't matter that you weren't walking the same hallways. You won championships together. You'll have that bond forever. But it really is amazing. Co-ops are not easy. And the, and when you can bring two communities together and get that much out of the kids, and obviously you guys were talented, but there have been plenty of talented teams in the history of football that have underachieved. Uh, it's certainly a testament to you guys. Are you ready to put on your analyst hat now? 
Oh, yeah. No, no, I've been ready. Let's get it. So, obviously, myself and Stone have – have we've beaten this topic to death here on the New England football show. Every week we talk about the Patriots quarterback situation. So, I'm just going to put it on you, Brian. What do you want to see the Patriots do at quarterback here? If you had a preferred choice, who would you like to see under center, even though you have no idea what that is playing at UNH, but who would you like to see under center – Come week one for the New England Patriots at quarterback. If you had a preferred quarterback, who would be that guy? You ready for this? No, here we go. Resign Brady, resign Gronk, resign Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now wake up, Brian, and give me your actual. I keep, I keep hearing Mac Jones. I keep I keep hearing Mac Jones. I I mean, I saw a picture of uh, on Twitter. It was it's called um, Two Is It Factor, like Two Attack of Aloha. And it was a picture of Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. Devontae Smith and um, Jalen Waddle. I was like, like, wow, he was actually thrown to the mother load. Um, <laughs> right. I'd love to see him get Watson, but I'm not trying to give up seven first-round picks in my right kidney for the guy. Um, <laughs> um, um, hey, by the way, Brian, I'm with you on that. I, I, know, I know the national media loves to talk about where he's going to end up, but I couldn't agree with you more, and I've said that for weeks now. Yes – He's a, I think he's a top 12 quarterback in the league. You can make the argument he's top 10, whatever. We're, we're splitting hairs here. But the bottom line is I'm not, I'm not so willing to mortgage that much of the future to bring Deshaun Watson in. And I've said this, and people have criticized me for this. They went 4-12 and 12 last year, and he had a career year. So I'm not sure that the it factor is totally there with him, but I agree with you. I wouldn't give up the compensation that it would take to get him. Yeah, you also look at their defense. I mean, I think Derek Henry rushed for almost 2,000 yards against them. Against them in two games. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind seeing them draft draft a rookie QB. I mean, you know, love their – like I said before, like I wasn't kidding about Brady. I would love to run it back. <laughs> should have yeah. off more money. Should have drafted – I don't know, should have got like an A.J. Green or somebody. Well, hindsight's always 2020, my friend, and I agree with you. I mean, that was bittersweet to watch. I mean, Stone was all about it. He was – he was clicking his heels, and, yeah, he's been tongue-bathing all year. Hey, honestly, Brian, admittedly, I was rooting against him. I I, I love him, but I the, the thought of him winning a Super Bowl with them made me sick to my stomach, and then I finally puked Super Bowl Sunday night. Yeah, let it all out. <laughs> oh, I did. I, I wouldn't want to see Mahomes in the same conversation as Brady, so I, I wasn't ready for Mahomes to, to, to beat Brady. I don't know what we did to deserve a Brady-Mahomes Super Bowl, probably that because 2020 sucks so bad. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that game was fun to watch. I'm not gonna, I, I definitely was rooting for Brady. I wasn't rooting for Antonio Brown or a couple of the other bums on that team. I forget a couple of the guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was definitely rooting for Brady. Yeah, That's see, like I said, I had a real hard time with it. But, yeah, unfortunately, hindsight's 2020. It'd be nice if he were back here. Um, I, 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 it will always be a bitter pill to swallow in my opinion, because I think we were all holding out hope he would finish his career here. Uh, obviously look, it's a business. We know it is, but I don't think any of us, and I, and I, Hey, listen, I'll, I'll acknowledge this. I don't think any of us thought going into a new situation, new system that he would continue to play at this level. We knew that he could throw 35 touchdown passes, 42, 4,300 yards, but we didn't think he'd throw over 40 and push 5,000 yards like he did. Obviously, the guy is is, is a natural wonder. But, you know, again, it was tough to watch in my opinion, but the Patriots are in a tough spot, and part of the reason they're in that spot 
is him. Now, Stone, I'm going to give you your time here. Do you want to do any last-minute tongue bathing before we move on from this? Do you want to lather up Brady one more time? No, it's it's just crazy to think, though. It's just about a year now since that decision and everything that's happened since. It's actually pretty mind-boggling when you kind of stop and think about, you know, the full year that has now come around. Yeah, I think. And by the way, Brian, just so you know, Stone is not a Cam Newton guy. <laughs> oh. Who is? I, I, I love the juice Cam brought, but, I mean, just watching it, it looked like he, like, when he was throwing the ball, it looked like his eyes were, like, like he would wind he, up. He would, he would wind up. 2016 Millis offense over Cam Newton offense any day of the week. Yeah. I will, I will watch that Millis offense 10 times out of 10. <laughs> Over what Cam Newton did this yeah, year. Yeah, me, me too. But I think when you think about like the Brady Belichick argument, you know, it's Belichick and Brady, they got like a lot of equal credit for a long time. You know, Brady's out there on the field making the decisions. You know, so it's, it's, I think he's. So, really so you're like, leaning more Brady than Belichick, I'm assuming. Yeah, I love, I love Bill. Bill's, Bill and Brady together brought me more joy in my life than friggin' Santa Claus. But I would have to bring, obviously, I have to lean with Brady because I mean, you know, four and twelve versus a seventh Lombardi on his finger. So yeah, you know, it's 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 an interesting debate and it's a fascinating debate. And I will always maintain that I'm, I think I'm that too, so I'm obviously gonna lean, lean towards the player. He's obviously I'm pawn some compared to him, but so is pretty much I don't know if I'd go that far, but <laughs> but but listen, you're a receiver and you know that in order to make plays, somebody's gotta throw you the ball. That somebody's a quarterback. So you're a smart man. But, but here's the thing. You know, it's funny because I think you almost have to break it down into two pieces, right? That the first part of the dynasty, I think you probably give Belichick more credit. Second part of the dynasty, I think Brady gets more credit, although I still think it's Belichick. But I think in the end, they both were a big part of it. And, and I hate this debate. I think it's stupid, and I think it's water for the national media. For us that lived it here, we know that it was both of them. But the national media loves to to talk about this and and look at it from ten thousand different angles, and it's ridiculous. And by the way, Stone, did you see that this weekend Belichick was praising Cam Newton? And Mike Giardi did say last week there's a thirty five to forty percent chance he resigns. I want him to resign because I want your beard to come flying off your face, and I want your head to explode after he resigns here. Because you're going to be so pissed, you're going to lose your poop. Hey, you know what? I told you two weeks ago, I'm, re I'm now resigned to the fact that he's going to be the starting quarterback. I know, and I love it. Hey, I love hey, it. You're hey, going to have a complete mental breakdown. I, love, I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. Whenever Tom Brady comes here next year, whatever day that is, if you think I was insufferable last year, wait for that week. Just wait. Uh, dude, I thought you were insufferable last week, and we didn't even talk about Brady. That's it's fair. <laughs> It's very fair. Now, now, Brian, I, I have to ask. I, I mean, are you this anti-Cam Newton, or are you not on board with your boy Stone here? I mean, I'm, I'm not anti-Cam Newton. I'm kind of anti-4-12. and 12. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, there's times that he was going down the field. So, that's, so you're predicting that that will be their record if he resigns? Man, I don't know what's gonna happen with the defense, but I mean, it's not gonna be. It ain't gonna be much better. You know, my my dad. My dad has watched, sat down in his little spot in the living room for the last whatever years and watched watched the Pats. He would get just get so frustrated, and then he'd go and watch and he'd go watch watch Brady in the uh, 
in like the playoffs and he would just be kind of like refreshed because he would say, Oh, because my dad never played football. I was bust my dad's balls. Cause like, he'd be like, Oh, like you guys should be doing this. You guys are doing that. I'm like, Oh, like you never played football. Like, like you don't know what you're talking about. And he was big. It's kind of relieving to watch someone who actually kind of has like a smooth throwing motion. And yeah, I don't, I don't think Cam's a guy, but I don't know. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you, all kidding aside, I don't see them resigning him. Huh? I don't see them resigning him, all kidding aside. I, they'd have to really be desperate or strike out with some other guys before they went back to him. I just don't see it. I, I don't see – I look, I Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. I respect the hell out of him. But, but you want to go through that again? Uh, please. I, I think his arm is shot. I don't see them going back down that road. My dad said, speaking of my dad, my dad said this like when it was like six years ago when they got rid of Jimmy G. He's like, they're gonna bring him back. I was like, you know what you're talking about. But I don't know. That's what it, that's what I keep seeing. <laughs> dad, hey, listen, man. My dad just texted me and said, bite me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, Brian, I want to say thank you for taking the time tonight to join us, obviously. Um, good luck this season. We're gonna be following along. Uh, you know, obviously we're going to be covering you guys, so we're excited about that. We're excited for spring football. I've been all over the FCS games the first couple weekends. I'm excited to uh, watch the CA get cranking here. And uh, you know that you have uh, fans right here, my friend, with uh, with me and Kevin. Appreciate that, boys. Yeah, no, I had a uh, had a good time. Um, we're kind of like the XFL this year, you know, spring, spring football. We'll uh, try, try not to disappoint you guys. And, um, you know, we're excited and we'll uh, try and get some wins for you guys. So uh, thank, definitely thanks for having me on. appreciate it. No, no problem. And let's do this thanks. again soon, all right? Yeah, you bet. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, Brian. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Thanks. Right, take care. All right, well, that's it for this week's episode of the New England Football Show. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find me at UFTBJ, and you can find Kevin at KStone06. For Kevin Stone, I'm John Sarnitas. Until next week, peace. See ya.